Morning, everybody. Welcome back to our Ellet online services. So glad that you guys can join us again this morning. Thanks for hanging around the past couple weeks and checking it out. My name is Pastor Aaron. If I haven't met you before, I would love to do that as soon as we can meet together again. Uh, but so glad that we can enjoy uh, seeing you guys in this format as well. A um, couple of things I want to let you guys know about is this. Uh, we have all of our ministries still going on here at the Ellet campus. So for students, for kids, for adults, it's all still happening just in an online format. So if you have any questions on how to get connected with those or you feel like you haven't really got that information, reach out to us. You can do that through email. You can find us on social media. You could also go to our website at ellet.gracechurches.org and get that information that way. Uh, but please, please let us know if there's any way that we can help uh, get you connected to what's going on here at the Ellet campus. Um, guys, if you have any needs, we would love to know about that as well. We still want to try to meet you. If you need to talk to a pastor, if we can pray for you, um, reach out to us as well. And we'd love to meet any need that we can during this time. Uh, we hope you guys had an awesome Easter with your family, as different as it might have been. Uh, we hope you got to enjoy that time together. Uh, thanks for joining us again this weekend. Why don't you guys uh, join us in singing a song together as we start things off? There were walls between us By the cross you came and broke them down You broke them down There were chains around us By your grace we are no longer bound No longer bound You called me out of the grave You called me into the light You called my name and then my heart came alive
Welcome to Grace Church this weekend. My name's Ryan. I'm the campus pastor here at our Ellet campus. And just want to say thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you doing that. And I'd love to meet you at some point when we get to uh, kind of reconnect here physically. And excited to uh, continue to meet online. Grateful for the opportunity we have to do that. And uh, grateful for uh, the technology, of course. And I would just say this, that if you have maybe just started connecting to Grace, uh, we would love to know that. I'd love to reach out and uh, have you connect with us. Maybe do that through our connection card, as we mentioned before. And uh, just love that you're connecting into kind of the family of grace and uh, tuning in that way. But I'm excited to, to uh, begin a series of conversations that we're going to be having here all around a book of the Bible. And if you're maybe somebody who has been a Bible student for a long time, I think this will be encouraging to you. If you're somebody who maybe has been checking out the Bible or wanting to learn a little bit more about the Bible, this is going to be a phenomenal opportunity uh, to dive in and really to experience that. Uh, I know for me, having no religious background at all, uh, becoming a student of the Bible as an adult was absolutely life-changing for me. And one of the biggest life-changing aspects of it was when I actually took some time to unpack and to look deeply at one of the 66 books of the Bible. Uh, so that's exactly what we're going to be doing here for the next several weeks. And we're going to be diving into a book of the Bible that is loaded with hope, uh, loaded with encouragement, has some teaching about some things that are going to happen towards the end of time. And all of that's kind of wrapped up into uh, one of these books of the Bible. And we're going to unpack that kind of one piece at a time and uh, roll that out. I'm excited to be on that journey with you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to unpack the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, 1 Thessalonians. And so a couple of things I'd encourage you to do, even before we jump into the conversation for today, uh, make a note to yourself this week to take some time and to go to the Bible Project and to watch the video on the Bible Project of 1 Thessalonians. And it'll give you a big picture view. It's a phenomenal tool. If you've never used the Bible Project before, it's amazing. So check that out and watch 1 Thessalonians. And you'll kind of get that, that big picture view of the book and what's happening there. Another thing that is a great tip to do, even before we jump in, is while we're separated from one another right now, this is a great time to kind of take ownership of our faith and maybe reach out to a friend or somebody that we might know and connect with them and try to read through and talk through what you're learning in the book of 1 Thessalonians as you begin to journey into understanding kind of what God has said to us through this book of the Bible. So maybe make that a weekly appointment just to connect over the Bible with one or maybe two other people and stay connected virtually and do that a little bit in community. And we're going to dive into this. And I want, a few things I want to say here as we dive into uh, this book of the Bible is 1 Thessalonians, uh, like some of the other books of the Bible, they're actually letters written by a group of people or by a person uh, to another group of people. So when we look at this book of the Bible, we're actually looking at some people's mail, right? It's a letter that they sent to a group of people for a particular purpose. And so today what we're going to do is unpack and understand why was somebody motivated to write this letter? Like God obviously speaks through the Bible. It's his authority. He, he uh, speaks and, and kind of oversees the whole writing of the whole Bible. And also there's human personality in there as well. God speaks through a person as uh, the Bible was created. And so he's going to use somebody named Paul. We're going to see here to write a good portion 
of what we think of as the New Testament. It's kind of the most recent part of the Bible. And uh, we're going to see why he does that here today. So let's look at the first verse here for a minute and start to understand what's going on. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.1, here's what Paul says. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Let me unpack this a little bit. So Paul and Silas are going to be two major leaders. Is the, the church kind of gets kicked off about 2,000 years ago. So uh, last Sunday we celebrated Easter, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And about 2,000 years ago, right, when that all was playing out, as Jesus ascended into heaven, that's how the Bible describes it, as today he's at the right hand of God the Father, as he left the planet and ascended into heaven, he began the church. And the church has existed for that entire time since he has left us. And as the church really got kicked off and got started, uh, there were leaders in that early church, and Paul and Silas would have been two of those major leaders. Now, as they were sent out and they were kind of traveling around to different areas, sent out by a church in Jerusalem where Jesus would have been uh, crucified and would have risen from the dead, when those church leaders were sent out, they would have taken that message about Jesus to a variety of different places, went on these journeys together, and they would have told everybody about Jesus, that he's God, that he came, that he was killed, that he rose from the dead, and that we can have life in his name. And they would have shared that message over and over and over, and that the effect of that is they would have started churches through that process. So that's what Paul and Silas were doing. As they were making their way around these travels, they would run into a young kind of a young, sharp leader named Timothy, and they picked him up and said, hey, why don't you travel with us? So that's who Timothy is, and he's going to be a guy that's leading with them, kind of in training, and they are going to write this letter to this church in Thessalonica. Now, Thessalonica is a, a city in what we would think of as today modern-day Greece, right? So it's a city in Greece, about 100,000 people, and it would have had a bunch of people that kind of would have run through it for trade routes, and they would have had uh, folks of all kinds connected in that city. And so there's a lot of diversity, a lot, a lot going on there, and they would have been deeply loyal to the Roman Empire, and, and they would have been deeply loyal to kind of almost the worship that went to the king, the Caesar of the Roman Empire. And so all that's embedded into this city. Now, here's something that's fascinating. I want you guys to, to follow along with me with this. In the Bible, the stories of the Bible connect together, which is fascinating to learn and to find out. So the story, as we kind of read this mail, this church is already in existence when we open up and start reading 1 Thessalonians, but the story of the church starting in Thessalonica is actually in the Bible. And so we're going to take a look at that story in a little bit of depth today and draw some phenomenal principles, I think, of, of some uh, encouraging things we can draw from uh, this church beginning. So in Acts chapter 17, the book of Acts chapter 17, we hear this story of Paul and Silas and Timothy starting this church off from scratch, telling people about Jesus and kind of the, the amazing, really dramatic effect of what happened in that story that would precipitate this letter being written a little bit later. Okay. 
Okay, so we're going to look at that together. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 17, and we're going to pick up in uh, verse 2 here, and uh, we'll read through that together. If you don't have a Bible, uh, go ahead and you can follow along in the screen. We'll read through it and uh, kind of be here most of our time together. So Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 2, uh, what we're going to find out is as these guys were traveling, they would come to a city, and then they had a habit that they would begin in a certain way. And this is what Paul uh, would be recorded doing. It says, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead that he had to suffer and rise from the dead. So here's what's going on. Uh, Paul goes into the city, and there's some Jewish people, some non-Jewish people that, that would have connected into some of this Jewish teaching, and they would gather around the synagogue. It's kind of the meeting place, what we would think of as the church building for kind of Jewish people to come together and to learn and hear the Old Testament taught, and they would gather on a regular basis. Paul himself is a Jewish guy, He's a rabbi, he's a teacher, right? And that's what he did before he kind of uh, met Jesus and had a relationship formed with him. And so he goes into these synagogues, he teaches about the Bible and basically says, hey, hey guys, what you have been studying your whole life, what, what you've been reading and learning about your whole life, let me tell you how that was actually fulfilled in Jesus. Let me kind of open your eyes to it and help you to see, because this stuff has just happened and it, it, we want to get you up to speed on what's going on. And he begins to tell them, kind of declare to them, all this information about Jesus, right? About Jesus, saying that the Messiah had to suffer, and he was showing them that from the Bible, from the Scriptures. Now, th th this would have been tough for them to receive. Now, this would have been tough for the Jewish people to receive, because they're like us. Uh, what they wanted from God so badly, just like we do, is they, they really they wanted a God who is powerful, who's going to send this Messiah to save them, to, in essence, just make their problems go away. And certainly, there's big portions of the Bible that talk about that. And that was, that's true of the Old Testament. Of course, that's true of the New Testament even today. As we would look into the Bible, we can see parts of the Bible that are really easy to accept. They're full of hope for us. And we can lock into those and say, man, God, thank you. Thank you for comforting me with those words. Thank you that I can look with hope to, towards these things playing out. There's also parts of the Bible that are harder to accept. They're, they're harder to swallow because they're difficult. And this would have been the case for the folks who were learning and hearing from Paul here in the room. They would have heard about the Messiah, and they didn't want a Messiah who had to suffer and be killed and crucified. And they wanted a Messiah that would come and kind of destroy their enemies and solve their problems. That's the context that Paul comes into. Now, of course, some people are intrigued by all of this. Uh, they're blown away. They see the truth of what Paul is saying, and they're receptive to the message. Watch how it plays out. He says, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Since some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So Paul and Silas and Timothy come into this new town. They come in as a, as a rabbi and a team, and they begin to teach about Jesus. 
and the Messiah, and they begin to build trust with this group of people, uh, in part be, because they're just telling the truth, right? They're telling the truth about Jesus, and they're showing the hard parts about Scripture, and they're forming a relationship as they do that, and all of that is playing out. And, and the, the, there's some Jewish people who are hearing it, and they're like, that makes sense to me. There, there's quite a few God-fearing Greeks. These would be people that are not Jewish, but would hang out at the synagogue and learn and hear about the Old Testament being taught. And of course, some of those would be men, some of those would be uh, women, and, and they hear it and they believe it and they're in on it. They're like, we're, we're locked and loaded. And of course, we all wanted this Messiah to come and rescue us and save the day. It seems that's not gonna happen, but we get the truth of what you're saying right now. We believe it, even though it's hard for us to accept, we're in, we are going to follow Jesus. So right on the scene here, we, we're kind of watching this church be born. We're watching these people believe in Christ and say yes to Jesus. And of course, we're watching Paul uh, form a relationship with this church and his teammates as, as he tells kind of the difficult truth to a group of people. I think this is a big deal because when we think about how God actually works in our lives, how he speaks to us through the Bible, if we're going to begin to unpack the Bible and really look at it, we're going to run into some things that are difficult for us to accept and uh, sometimes hard to believe because either they're difficult or they just seem like they're not possible from a human perspective. And so I need to first and foremost come at the Bible and ask the question, how am I going to approach this? How am I going to believe it? What lenses am I going to have? And am I going to put my trust, kind of my faith and my trust in, in who God is? I was thinking about this uh, a while ago when I, when I became a new parent, like, like many of us, we feel a little overwhelmed by the whole parenting thing. At least I did. And I, I kind of remember thinking, how am I going to approach being a dad? Right? Like, am I going to be the dad that just like sugarcoats stuff and, and tries to make my kids you know, stay young and feel young and feel good and, and just kind of keep, keep the difficult parts of life away from them? Or, or am I going to be a dad that, that kind of shows them the yucky stuff of life and, and puts it in front of them, helps them to see it? And I was kind of trying to figure out what line, of course, and, you know, based on their ages and who they are, all that stuff matters. I remember uh, reading the Bible one day and just being kind of blown away. That, that God himself, who is so far above us, and he knows our limits and he knows our weaknesses, I'm, I'm amazed, by, when I was reading the Bible, I was amazed again at how open God is and how little he sugarcoats for us. He just kind of, he lovingly lays it out there and he speaks the truth in love because we need to know a lot of things here in order to respond to God and to know him. And, and, and when he tells me the truth, that helps me to trust him. Even though I don't always like it, I don't always like the things that I read in the Bible, I'm sure you don't always either. I can believe them and I can trust the voice of God because I know that he's telling me the truth, right? And that's, that has embedded in me a conviction as a dad to say, I mean, that's how I want to be with my kids, I want to do whatever I can and not have to lie to them. And of course, there's appropriateness at different ages. It doesn't mean you jump into all the details. Certainly haven't done it perfectly. 
But as much as I possibly can, I, I want my children to be able to hear my voice and trust it, to believe me, and to know that what I'm saying to them is real, even if it's difficult, even if it causes some temporary pain, that trust is absolutely gold. Here's why. There is nothing more valuable in relationships than the currency of trust. And there's nothing more valuable in relationships than the currency of trust. That's what Paul is building here with these people as he tells them the truth, the difficult truth that now they're locking onto. That's the kind of, that's the kind of currency I want to lock into as a dad. And that that's ultimately, that's how God interacts with us when he gives us this gift of the Bible. He's like, man, I, I'm just going to lay it all out there for you in love. In that currency of trust, that is the foundation of every healthy relationship. You want to have a great friendship? You got to have the currency of trust, right? You got to be able to speak difficult things, speaking the truth in love, something the Bible would talk about. I got to be able to tell you the truth and have you tell me the truth back. Uh, the foundation of a great marriage, great dating relationship has to have the currency of trust. Great relationships with our children has to have the currency of trust. Even if it's difficult, truth, is directly connected to trust, and the value of that is incredible. Okay, that's all being played out right here as the people that are hearing Paul's message lock into it and say, that's the truth, even though it's hard for me to receive it, I'm in. Now, not everybody received the truth in the same way. They, they didn't view Paul in the same light. Some locked in, as we just read, and then some would reject the teaching that Paul was bringing. Here's what the rest of the passage would say. It'd say, but other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. Now, this is absolutely fascinating. Let, let me continue on here, see the rest of it. it. says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world are, have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. So here, here's what's going on. You got a group of, of Jewish leaders uh, and people who are kind of the, the, the folks that are working with the synagogue running things, there, they get angry, they get jealous because all of these people that were listening to them are now listening to Paul and Silas. And so what do they do? They go and basically recruit some criminals, some troublemakers, and they form a mob. They get this mob fired up and they start a riot in the city. And, right, and they're going to go find Paul and Silas and drag them out to the city officials. This is all playing out here in this church plant it's wild. Can you even imagine this mob playing out? This is nuts. It's like Walmart on Black Friday, right? Instead of grabbing TVs, they're grabbing people, and they're saying, hey, come on, you're coming with me. These people, and this is what's fascinating to watch, these people, they say, is they bring them in front of the city officials. They can't find Paul and Silas, so they find this guy named Jason. Evidently, he's somebody they're staying with, and says, so these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. This is their perception 
of Paul and Silas and Timothy and everybody connected to Christianity, we could probably assume, and, and their perception is that they have caused trouble all over the world. I love this, this other translation in the ESV uh, that's using the same phrase. It says, these men who have turned the world upside down. Turned the world upside down. Remember, these are people that don't believe in Jesus, that are angry that Jesus' name is being proclaimed, and their view of the church and their view of Christianity is that it is changing everything. It is turning the world upside down. Now, they're not excited about it, but they see the impact of it. And remember, that just, just so you know, this, this is all happening less than 20 years after Jesus left the earth, right? After he died, he was buried, rose from the dead, and ascended to heaven. In a 20-year time frame, with no technology, with no internet, with no printing press, the message of Jesus and the people carrying that message and the life change that this message brought to the people that received it was turning the world upside down. These people were so deeply affected by Jesus and his teaching and the truth of who he is that it was affecting an unearthing society. The kind of love that the people had as they said yes to Jesus and received his love for them changed the kinds of loyalties and allegiances that people had. It, it caused them to think differently and to live differently and to be different. These people, this church, and this movement of the church, well, it wasn't some just box to check that people were running through the motions. Right? They weren't just tuning in to watch something online and then never thought about it again. It wasn't just something they attended once a week to kind of get through the motions. That's what we do. That these people received a message and they were altered by it. And that the leaders of the day who were threatened by it saw how powerful it was. That's why they're dragging these guys out saying, we got to get them out of here because the message that they're carrying and the movement that they're starting is so powerful it's literally turned the world upside down. As, uh, as we've been living through these days here, it's been fascinating. People have been asking me a lot of questions and uh, asking me a lot of questions about the church and then kind of what I think is going to happen and where we think this is all going to go. And, right? and some people have been asking me, do you think the church is going to be okay? And while I recognize not every not every organization of a little C church, right? Not every church is probably going to make it through this time frame. The big C church, uh, the church of Jesus across the world, across the United States, uh, that, that church is going to be just fine because the church has made it through all kinds of things. Right? And, and the people that cling to Jesus have made it through all kinds of things. They've made it through plagues and divisions and false teaching and persecution and natural disasters. I mean, you name it. 2,000 years, the church continues to be strong and vibrant and expanding and changing lives as much as it did when it first began 2,000 years ago. 
it just continues to multiply and to thrive. Sometimes it's even stronger in the midst of adversity. Here's what I believe. Right? The church is the most resilient and influential movement to cover planet Earth. Church is the most influential and resilient movement to cover planet Earth. Right? The church will be fine, and we see it forming kind of right before our eyes here as we see a small little expression of the church be born. It's powerful to see, and it's powerful to watch. Well, let's see how it continues to play out. As they're talking to the officials, these men said they, they are to find Caesar's decree, saying that there's another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They made Jason and the others post bond, and they let him go. So here's the story as it's playing out. Jason and Paul and Silas are nowhere to be found. We're not even sure where they are here in the story, but Jason, their host, the guy that was putting them up, and, and he's, they're probably sleeping at his house, they're saying, listen, uh, these guys, they're defying Caesar. They're, they're not listening to the commands of Caesar. Whether that was true or not is irrelevant. All that we, we know is that, is that they were saying that there's another king and that basically would have been illegal to say that there's any other king outside of Caesar. They had a different allegiance that they would cling on to. That was the message that they were tying on to, and that threw this group into turmoil. They made them pay money to say, all right, we're going we're gonna to stop this. We're going to let it go. Paul and Silas and Timothy, then the next verse would tell us they leave in the night, and here the, the church in Thessalonica is born it causes the impetus for Paul to go back and write the letter, the first Thessalonians, his first letter to them, to make sure that they're okay because the last time he saw them, he was fleeing from this mob, and he knows that their, their young faith is deeply affected, of course, by the situation. He wanted to check on them, make sure they're going to be all right. And we, we might ask the question, how can we know for sure? How do I know that the church will be resilient and that how do I know that I can be a part of that and, and, and that we can make it through difficult times. And I think there's a clue for us here in this passage. The clue that I think is showing for us is that, is that when push came to shove, even the enemies of the church and the enemies of the message of the church, the, the message of the gospel, recognize that the people of the church appealed to another king. They went to a level higher than just their human leaders. And we all know this. There's nothing wrong with it, right? We have human leaders. Uh, they're real and they're good. And some of us operate in those leadership roles. Many of us do, in fact. Right? And we will see leaders kind of come and go in a team or an organization We'll see a coach come up, and then there's another coach that will rise up. Or there's a director, and then there's a new director. Or there's a president and a new president. There's a group of leaders, and then a new group of leaders. And based on the quality of that leadership, that determines often how well that team performs or how strong and long-lasting that organization is. The people of the church, we don't, we don't look just to a, a pastor 
as a leader of, of our organization and in our movement, we don't look just to a denomination for that. We all, people who are part of the, the church of Jesus, who would say, I, I believe in Christ, I'm in, we appeal higher to that. We say we, we have a king, Jesus, that is consistent and will last. He is the one that never alters. That, that foundation for us is set. And this is critical because when we start to think, how is it that this church has lasted so long? And how is it that a new fledgling church here in Thessalonica can make it through a mob riot? The answer is the same, that there is one king, there is one leader propelling us, sustaining us through all of it. And that leader is Jesus. Here's what's true of our leader. Our leader's reign is permanent. His character is flawless and he has the trust of his people. His reign is permanent. Jesus isn't going anywhere. In the worst situation, in the worst trial, in the midst of the most devastating plague, in the most crushing, crippling uncertainty, Jesus is still on his throne, even when I feel insecure and lost. The, the character of our leader is flawless. It is perfect. He never fails. He never misspeaks. He, he never gets fatigued and makes poor decisions. He is consistent, and he is flawless in his character, and that's why he has the trust of his people. The church, the people of the church, you and I who say, man, I'm in for the Jesus thing, we can look at Christ, and he will always be leading, and he will always be leading in a way that is perfect and righteous and just, and I can trust that leadership. And I can know that that's never going to go away. Oh, that is huge. That is huge. Right? Because we all need to know that. Paul needed to know that, and the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians need to know that, and then we need to know that right here and right now. Because underneath all of this that we're looking at and we're beginning to study, under all of it is a foundation of trust that Jesus is indeed that king on that throne. And I need to know and believe that, and that's what helps me to have a stable and sturdy life of faith. Without that, I don't know where I would turn. This was true for Paul as he wrote this letter to make sure his, his friends understood this enough to cling to it and to stick with it, to stay with it and to stay firm in their faith. And what we're going to see as the rest of the letter unpacks for us and unfolds for us is there's all kinds of insights that Paul didn't get to share. He left too early, and those insights are life-changing, mind-blowing. You say, Ryan, what do we do with all this? How do, we, how do we take a conversation about an ancient church forming, and, and how do we run with that ourselves? It's a great question. I was thinking about myself in high school. Man, I was an interesting person, didn't know Jesus, and I went through this phase where I really thought it was my job to make sure the people who were in charge in my life were doing their job. Forget about what I had to do. I, I, I knew I had to make sure they were doing a good job with what they were doing. 
And so one time I, I got all riled up because I was uh, super frustrated with one of my teachers. And uh, I actually, I gathered, I kind of rallied a group of students against this teacher and talked to some other staff members at the school and, and, and put this whole effort together to try to get this teacher fired. You're like, Ryan, I didn't know you were so evil, man. I know, right? Who knew? I was, right? It's how I was operating. And, and, and I, I wanted to get rid of this teacher. And I was frustrated. I had all these reasons. I had all these things that I could point to that this person wasn't doing their job the way that I thought they should do their job. Long story short, I, I didn't get her fired. I, I think she got in trouble, but I, I, I didn't get her fired, and I ended up kind of getting put back in my place, and, and I was a student. In the meantime, all that time and energy and effort that I spent trying to rally justice happening for that one teacher, I'm an A student, and in, in, in that, that subject, I had a B minus, C plus. I had some work to do. Right now, I get these questions all the time. I'm getting a lot of questions about, what I, why, Ryan, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about how the country's handling this? What do you think about how the state's handling this? Do you, do you think we should all be on lockdown right now? Do you think, do you think the, the, return, the, the return to work and everything, do you think it should all have gone faster? Do you think we should have opened up faster? Do you think, do you think the, the virus was made in a lab somewhere? Do you, you think, what do you think about all that? You know, here's the thing. I, I'll look back and say, I, I have no idea. I have opinions just like all of us do. But I don't know the answers to most of those questions. I have compassion for people that have to make very difficult decisions. Here's what I do know. Well, I don't know how a country should be run or a state should be run or, or what a virus should be dealt with and, and how the politics of all that should work. Here's what I do know. I know that COVID or no COVID, there is an enormous amount of work to be done out right here in Akron. I know that there is an enormous amount of work to be done right, right at home in my family. And I know that there's an enormous amount of work to be done right here in my own heart and mind to make sure that I'm doing all that I know how to do to make Jesus king. To make sure that there's another king in my heart and mind, one that cannot change and will not fail, whose reign is permanent. I got a lot of work to do. I don't know what answer to give you about the rest of it. But I bet you you're like me. And I bet you you have questions spinning and people asking you all kinds of stuff and you're tempted to post things on social media about all of our strong opinions about what we think should happen. But at the end of the day, I think if you're honest, you look at me and I look back at you and say, I don't know about you, man, I got work to do at home. I've got Jesus' work to do at home to make him the foundation of my actual life. Not just a check-the-box faith, not just something that I'm, I, I tune into once a week and then worry the rest of the week. I, I've got some work to do to make Jesus my, my king here and now. 
What if we focused our energy and our time there? Making Jesus king. I wonder if, if, if we did that, if I did that and you did that, if it might not once again turn the world upside down. Because the life-altering message and the life-altering movement is just as powerful and just as transformational as it was 2,000 years ago. And it all starts with what we do with the name of Jesus. And if you're here, if you're watching, you're tuning in today, and maybe you're like me and you, you don't have a background in faith or it's been a long time since you were connected to your faith, hear me. You need to know that this king that I'm talking to you about today, he loves you, he wants to know you, and he's laid down his life for you and for me to pay for our sins. He beat death, rose from the grave, and now he's on the throne. He looks at you and me and says, hey, do you want to follow me? Do you want to have all your allegiance to me above any human leader? If you want to say yes, you want to receive the forgiveness of your sins and, and be a part of my church, if you want that to be the foundation of your life, all you have to do is ask. All I have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm in. And now Jesus will supersede every human relationship that we have. And what he thinks about my life, I trust his voice more than any other voice that I could come up with. He's my God. His name is the name worth trust. His Name is a name that I can believe in and be changed by. If you've never said yes to Christ, I, I would encourage you to do that. But for all of us, whether it's for the first time or the first time this week, can we zero back in on the name of Jesus, the name above all names? Let him be the foundation we build on. We sing and we pray. Would you worship with me? We'll pray together. Father, we want to say thank you. I thanks that your voice is a voice that we can trust. That your word does not fail. It comes to pass and it always does. Jesus, thank you that, that you are our leader and that you're a leader whose character is flawless in a time when we desperately long to cling on to leadership that is perfect and without flaw. Thank you, Lord, that we can look to you. Lord, help us with this. Help us to, to see that our lives and our priority and our allegiances can, can be built on your name, Jesus as we discover and learn more about you, Lord, would you help us to do that? Would you speak to us here even now? It's in Christ we pray. Amen. You are
to know who you are, to follow after you, and to allow you to work and move in our hearts and our minds so that we become more like you. We love you, Lord. Thankful for who you are and what you've done.
Thanks for singing with us this week. Have a great week. See you guys.